Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I'm very excited that you're tuning into our show. I was talking to one of my friend and colleague, and she was telling me, you know, uh, you sound too excited in your podcast, and you might want to tune it down. Anyhow, I'm going to do my best to sound professional, but this is a topic I feel very passionate about, and I'm very excited, and I feel honored to be able to talk about it with you. Today, we're going to talk about sexual inhibition. And what are some of the factors that contribute to someone's experiencing inhibited sex? And also, what can you do to address those issues and to connect with your partner more sexually? My guest today is Dr. Stacy Friedman. Dr. Stacy is the founder of Creating Intimacy Coach. She holds a doctorate degree in human sexuality a master's in clinical sexology, and is a certified sex coach. Dr. Stacy has been a consultant selling adult novelties and has coached and educated many people in a fun, positive approach to love, romance, and in all aspects of sexuality. Here's my conversation with Dr. Stacy. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned earlier, it's my pleasure to have Dr. Stacy Friedman in this episode. Dr. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. I'm very excited today because we're going to talk about various aspects of sexuality, more specifically around sexual inhibition. But before we start, Dr. Stacey, please tell us a little bit about your practice and how you got involved in this field. Well, I've always been interested in the field of sexuality ever since I can remember. Even when I was in high school, people used to call me Dr. Ruth. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's how young I was when I uh, got into the interest of sexuality. And I think it was just because I was very open-minded, easy to talk to, and didn't judge anybody on what their desires were, what they talked about in relationships. And I've personally been through a lot of my own journeys when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to medical issues that affected my sexuality, my relationship, just everything that I've been through has brought me here today. And I always wanted to do something more to bring positive sexuality into people's relationships in the bedroom because I saw so many relationships fail because people had such a difference of what they felt sex was to a relationship and intimacy. And I think that was very, very important, especially because I had a lot of personal things when it came to my relationships with intimacy and sexuality. So I just found my passion and I went for my education and here I am today. My practice is done in an office locally in South Florida, but because I'm able to reach people all over the world, I do Skype video or audio. And that way I can help people everywhere. 
Wonderful. And I think as we were talking about before recording, it is such a wonderful resource and service because I feel that it's very important to be able to provide more education to people. And I know in some areas there are not enough sex educators, sex therapists. So it's great that you have the online services as well. Right. Thank you. Great. So let's start with the one first question that we have. What is a sexual inhibition? A sexual inhibition is just somebody that suppresses their sexual desire or they don't have the ability to feel that sexual desire or perform. Uh, It's also can be called inhibited sexual desire. And it's just people that either lack sexual fantasies or just don't really care for sexual activity. And if they are being sexual, they're inhibited where they only like to do it in certain places, certain times of the day, lights off, all different, all different reasons uh, to be inhibited. So it's basically just somebody that does not respond or try to, you know, relate to their partner's desire as well. It's very fascinating. As you were talking about it, uh, sexual inhibition, I was thinking about one of my graduate school uh, professor, and she was talking about leftover sex, that people are <laughs> having like certain kind of sex only in a certain uh, situations, right. and how that can get easily uh, very boring and people lose interest. Right. And that can happen with boredom, too. You know, so it's not just because, you know, you do those things doesn't mean that you're not having good sex. I mean, there's there's a couple if you don't mind, I'll just tell you a couple different symptoms that they look for to see if you're inhibited. And it would be basically no or little interest in sexual activity, no or few sexual thoughts no or few attempts to initiate sexual activity or to respond to your partner. Also, if you don't get any sexual pleasure or excitement in 75 to 100% of your sexual experiences, or you don't have any interest in any type of internal, external erotic stimuli. So those are some of the things that people look for. And thank you so much for that clarification. And sometimes what I hear from some of my clients, I see that they, they used to have like more exciting, more like they were able to enjoy sex and something happened that they lost interest. And they got into this cycle of uh, inhibited sex. They lost interest in fantasizing and initiating sex. What are some of the factors that contribute to someone's experiencing these symptoms? Well, first of all, inhibited sexual desire can be primary or secondary. And primary is just people that have never felt the desire or interest And secondary could be in the situation like you're talking about, whether, you know, you started off being excitable and all this and then starting to not feel any desire. A lot of times it could in these situations, it could relate to the partner um, or it could be just general. There's the person's just not interested anymore. So some of the reasons could be if you're relating to a partner, it could be communication problems. Uh, They may have lack of affection that they're not getting their needs met in that way from their partner. Sometimes it's power struggles or conflicts that they have in their relationship, uh, not having enough time together. I mean, people are so busy nowadays that you're just not in the mood because you're dealing with kids and work and and all your chores and, and differences in hours of when you see your partner when you don't. One thing that I found, though, is a lot of people have a very strict upbringing and a lot of different cultural attitudes, whether it be religion or 
um, whatever the culture is regarding sex. And a lot of those can be negative where they've been told from a young age that, you know, if you do this, you're a slut or if you do this, uh, it's, it's very trashy and dirty and, and naughty and you're not a good woman or man in that case, whatever, if you do these things. So people have it in their heads a lot of times that it's taboo or discouraged in many parts of the world. And so they look at it as dirty and unnatural. So that's one of the, some of the reasons. Yes, and I can definitely relate to the talking about like the upbringing part, as I shared with you and my audience in the past that I, I was, I grew up in a conservative society and people were very scared of women having sex mm-hmm. outside the marriage. So they were using all this sex negative languages right. and all this negative information around sexuality and the idea was that, okay, great, when you get uh, married or you're in a committed relationship, then, then you're allowed. Yes, you're allowed. <laughs> and you know how mine is not working that way. And this women in my practice, I see them that they're carrying this guilt and shame mm-hmm. and negative uh, perceptions around sexuality. So what are some of your recommendations to those women uh, for them to in order to be get over this negative emotions? Well, first of all, when I coach people, I think it's very, very important to give these people, and I I say more so women are a little more sexually inhibited than men are, even though you do have some, you know, men that do have that. But the majority that I find just need that permission, that permission to be uninhibited, the permission to be able to get rid of the shame and fear and guilt that they have, that they are worthy of being sexual and receiving this pleasure, that your body has been built to enjoy yourself and others. And and relationships with yourself is very, very healthy because it allows you to have your partner also be aware of your needs. Because if you don't know yourself and your body and you feel very inhibited, I think it's very important just to give that permission to say, you know what, it's okay to be sexual. A lot of the coaching that I do and the guiding is focusing also, if you are in a relationship, on communication issues. A lot of people can communicate about taxes and and home and, and chores and all that, but people don't know how to communicate sexually. So improved communication is very important. And also non-sexual intimacy, things that are just like looking into each other's eyes, giving each other hugs. A lot of times people don't have that intimacy. And so you kind of don't feel that connection is strong. So the more intimate you are, non-sexually can bring more sexual intimacy in the bedroom and people may not feel as inhibited. I, I can absolutely see that with the communication. And I know uh, sometimes when we're feeling close emotionally to someone, it's easier to be open. physically and open and talk to them about like our needs and desires. But also sometimes I see some people, like, especially like some couples that they've been in the relationship for a long time, they're talking about that they were at the beginning, they had this passions and now the companionship is good. But now they feel like they're brothers and sisters and there's no sexual desire or anything around sexuality. What are your thoughts about that? It's very, very common after a long-term relationship to not necessarily feel desire because you're comfortable. And just because you don't feel desire doesn't mean desire cannot come. And 
that's why the intimacy is so important because a lot of times you forget to do these things. You give each other a quick two-second hug and then you leave. But sometimes I try to give people the opportunity to just sit there for 20 or more seconds and hug and see the difference that it feels in your body and you can feel the warmth from your partner's skin. So it's different types of baby steps that they have to try. They try just even something simple as a different position or a different room or just being in the moment by allowing each other to do some massage. So you kind of have to sometimes start small and do little things that maybe will bring back some of the uninhibited behavior and some of the intimacy. And it's also important to try to fantasize in your own mind for the day because sometimes you're in a long-term relationship and people don't even think about sex because they go about the whole day and they come home. It's important to have flirting. We have texting capabilities and little videos. Send a little something to your partner. It really has a lot to do with intimacy and touch. And I think that the more that you bring touch into the relationship, the more that you start with, like I said, the massages, holding each other's hands, um, trying different positions, different places, it brings the fun back. Because so many people just think that it's a job. It's a job they have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And after a while, it becomes a job because you're not doing anything to make differences and make the change. So it could even be something as just sitting together in bed reading an erotic novel and, and things like that that might spark an interest to have someone that's normally a little bit more inhibited from it being so long to be able to maybe break out of that a little bit. I, I, I love it when you were talking about how kind of throughout the day, uh, the couples can send each other texts and little videos, because as you were talking about, people sometimes think about arousal as like an on and off switch. Right. And when they're in the bedroom and they have like 20 minutes when the kids are sleeping, they say, oh, let's go. Exactly. And yeah. And I think foreplay, as you were talking about, kind of starts from during the day and in the morning. It starts through the whole day. And as you've been in a long-term relationship, many people would not have that desire. But that doesn't mean that once you get started, the desire will not come about. You know, there's some people that are sexually inhibited, like I mentioned, that never had it in the first place. And that's something where you might have to do a little bit deeper therapy and find out, was there any abuse? Was there um, a lot of deep-rooted issues? But for people that are in relationships that had it at the beginning and don't now, you have to have it through the day. So that way you build that desire because that's just not going to come. You can't just say, okay, let's go. I'm ready. Some people can, <laughs> but, but many people can't. And it doesn't mean that anything is wrong in the relationship. It just means that, you know what, let's see what we can we do to build that desire. And then all of a sudden, you know what, the mood starts setting in a bath, you know, something, let's just take a bath tonight. And if you have the expectation that you have to have sex, then people are going to be like, oh, gosh, you know what, they're not going to get in the mood, and that's going to possibly inhibit them as well. So it's important to be able to do the non-sexual intimate connections that can potentially build that desire to give you those sexual urges at the time. Yes, and I also the other thing that you mentioned about couples, uh, one other issue that I know sometimes when there is a couple that comes to the relationship with inhibition around sex and the other partner has different sexual desire and they don't experience the inhibition, there are going to be some challenges. And I sometimes yes. I see some resentment, some angers. So how can people usually navigate that? 
That's where it's a little bit trickier is when you do have somebody who is not inhibited and working with someone who is. And if it's something that's been, like I mentioned, if it's something that's been from all their life, then that takes a little more coaching, whether it be getting some professional help or just some coachable help with the actual partner. I think that it's just taking the time and having the partner really build on that communication and find out why are they inhibited? What are they, what are they thinking about? Why not just do it? What is going to happen if they tried something new? What is going to happen to them if for some reason they go into another room? Well, they, they don't really have an answer for it. So sometimes when you're communicating sexually and you're able to open up that partner a little bit, it allows them to feel a little more free when they don't feel the pressure of that anger sometimes they would get from a partner. So it's very important in these situations that the partner is very understanding, but they have to also understand they have to meet halfway. So the person that is inhibited has to say to themselves, you know what, my partner's being very respectful and, and say, you know, why, why wouldn't I do it in another room? If it makes him happy and it's not going to hurt me, let's try it. And so you try these little tiny things that will open up the partner to hopefully being a little bit more meeting in the middle. Yes. And you were talking about the communication and how important it is. And as you're absolutely right, I know sometimes when a partner, there are some struggles around arousal or uh, intimacy, the first thought that I know many of my clients experience, oh, she or he is not into me. I am the problem. So that kind of shuts the door for the communication. Well, I'll tell you, for men, the most common reason that they have any type of inhibitions, there's usually two factors. And one of them is the threat of having performance failure. And the other one is an inhibition due to the consequences of the lack of performance or possibly getting someone pregnant. So if a man is inhibited, it's usually one of those two factors. And so in a relationship, if the woman is saying, well, my man is not interested and he's not wanting to do this, he's probably fearing that either he will have a problem with his performance because maybe one time he did and the wife said something about it, or maybe he's wondering, is something going to happen? You know, I know that she doesn't want to use protection, but God forbid I get her pregnant. So that could be another reason why he has his inhibitions. And for women, a lot of women, if they can't have orgasms, they may feel less likely to want to have sex because they feel that they have a dysfunction or they feel that they are not able to enjoy sex the way they want to because they don't know any different. That's very common also. Women that don't have orgasms really have no idea how incredible sex could be, you know? So I work with women too to help them learn their bodies and learn what it means to have an orgasm. Yes, and I think one one of the issues that's one of the things that contribute to this feeling of less than I know and women around sexuality is I know some women, they get their education only from pornography and uh, like those kind of materials. Right. And they kind of don't, A, they don't know their own body and B, they have unrealistic expectations about like, you know, how long does it take for them to reach orgasm? And right. What does it take? Well, it's exactly right. And I have a lot of people that come in that don't know where their clitoris is. The clitoris has been given to us 
for the only purpose of sexual arousal and enjoyment. There's no other purpose for that little area other than that. And believe it or not, 75% of women, it's a very high amount, 75% of women cannot have an orgasm through intercourse. And when I talk to some of these women, they think that they are less than, or they don't think that they're capable because they're not having orgasms through intercourse and they don't understand that that is very normal. And so when they finally hear that, they're like, oh my God, thank God, I thought something was wrong with me. And that causes a lot of inhibited behavior because they feel like something is wrong with them when they can't have an orgasm and that's why people fake it. Yes, and also about them, like you were talking about men and performance anxiety, and I can see that is one of the challenges I see many of like the couple I work with, they struggle. They don't have any biological struggles. They go, they, they right. go to urologists, everything is fine. But like once they, uh, they, once in their experience, they were not able to be able to perform sexually. And then that kind of like started a vicious cycle amount between them and their partner. Exactly. Because then the partner's like, well, what's wrong? Why can't you get it up? What did I do? Is it me? You're not attracted to me. So then the woman becomes more inhibited and they're like, oh, maybe he doesn't like my body anymore. And then she starts having body Im images issues. It's like a whole vicious cycle. Definitely. And I know uh, when, when the people get into this mode, one of the things that usually happen is people get anxious or oh, what if I uh, like lose erection this time mm -hmm. so they they want to perform sex in certain places certain locations and That's right yeah and that is that can definitely reduce excitement right of course and that it, and even though you know you think that it's not connected sometimes but the mental and the physical are very connected especially with the men so the women you don't necessarily see the result of that performance issue because you could always use lubrication and a woman can fake. A man can't fake when they don't have an erection, you know? So I think that that is why that men have that more, that fear of being more um, prone to the performance failure and not, be, not being able to perform. So we have to try to connect the head to the mind That, no, the mind to the, the <laughs> which head? <laughs> What are we talking about? We have, to, we have to be able to try to connect the two where they're thinking about being in the moment and not focusing on performance, but because people are so focused on the end result of that orgasm where people aren't focused as much on the journey. And it talks from, it starts from being in the morning, during the day, Like we said before about the text or a video or a nice phone call or a fantasy in the head and working your way through to the evening and giving that foreplay a chance to build. And that way you're in the moment and not just thinking, oh, it's just going to be about sex and about orgasm. Enjoy feeling what it feels like to have someone's hands on your skin, someone's breath on your neck and just enjoy the journey. And uh, so you, we, you talk a little bit about the gender differences. I was wondering, is there any other gender differences that you've noticed between men and women who uh, you work with? I think that the, women and men experience sexual arousal very differently, uh, not only physiologically, but psychologically. I think that men could be a little bit more, if they're not necessarily mentally in it, men could perform still. Most of the time, 
women a lot of times need a little bit more of the psychological. Their mind needs to be in it to be able to perform better. I think that men seem to have a little bit more of the sexual desire than women in general. But women, you know, women can vary greatly. There's a highly variable libido levels from female to female. And some females who are very sexually functional have no active desire for sex, but they respond well when that desire is brought to them, where some women just never experience the sexual arousal at all, whether it be hormonal, you know, hormones can really affect people too. I always recommend when people come in with either low libido or sexual inhibitions is to make sure that they have a hormonal workup because that's very, that's very important. Um, and I think is, you know, whenever they do any type of these research things uh, where they're trying to figure out all these different aspects of sexuality, it's much easier to look at a male and see genital arousal rather than female. So sometimes these research studies might be a little difficult. Absolutely. And I know you were talking about like there are within each group, there are like lots of various things and people with different desires that the fact that you're a female doesn't necessarily mean that you have less, uh, you have more inhibition or less inhibition. So as you said, there are lots of variety and various things uh, within each gender. Definitely lots of variety, yes. Yes. So I was thinking that I know communication, I have some couples that they're fantastic with all other kind of communication except talking about sexuality. So when the partner kind of experienced some challenges around like inhibition, how can how can they start that conversation? How would be a good way of addressing it without bringing up shame and all those negative emotions? Well, first of all, the communication needs to be positive and it needs to be out of the bedroom. I always suggest to the couples that come in that if ever they ever have issues when it comes to sexuality, that they wait for a time where it is not in the bedroom. They can be outside on a patio or in the kitchen on the couch, just talking with each other and and pretty much just being open about saying, you know, I had some concerns about our relationship and our intimacy. And start from there. You definitely don't want to be bringing it up in the bedroom because you want the bedroom to be a safe, uh, vulnerable place. I think that just even putting a positive spin on it and just talking and saying, well, these are some of my desires. I was thinking of maybe we could talk about some things that turn us on or turn us off or what you like and what you don't like. And then just be able to say that this is just communicating doesn't mean that we're doing all this stuff. But to open the lines of communication, it just needs to start with positivity and making the other person feel safe. And that, you know, let's say the man wants the woman to be a little bit more uninhibited rather than just saying, oh, well, you know what? You never do this. You don't do this. You won't go in the other room. You won't go this. Start just saying, well, what are some of your turn-ons? What are things that you like? What are things that you don't like? And if they don't like it, just say, well, is there a reason? Or just, you know, asking questions like that. And if people still can't do that, they could do it in front of a coach or a therapist, or they can even just get a book. There's so many books out there that would say like, your 50 questions you most wanted to know about sex. And then you can ask each other these questions. So it's almost like it's not you asking, it's the book. 
I love that idea. And I think that is such an important thing to kind of keep the bedroom as a safe place. Because sometimes I see with couples that they don't say anything. And then they get so frustrated and they everything accumulates for years and years. And then when something doesn't go well in the bedroom, they kind of like blare out something really painful. Right. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is that that could be very damaging. And that can cause a lot of uh, inhibition. When someone is telling you, you know, you stink, or you're horrible in bed, or you never do anything I like, you're, why, how are you going to feel safe with that person to be able to be open? So that's why it's very important to be able to put a positive spin and just have a conversation, not necessarily about the one issue that you were having, but just starting conversation about positive things in your sexuality. What can they improve? Yes. And as you were talking about, I know for I'm thinking about a few people I work with, it's going to be so scary for them to talk about it. So I love the idea of the book that you were talking about. So like, oh, let's see what's in this book. So it feels less intimidating. Yeah, a lot of people can't talk about it. And that's why it starts off with a simple conversation. Just say, oh, what are some things you like? Because no one wants to be attacked when it comes to sexuality. But you know what, there's education on everything in life. But there's They've taken so much education out of the school systems and uh, the parents don't talk about it. And so how else do people learn without understanding themselves and their partners? So books, I think, are great. And also, I know it's it's fantastic that like that there are coaches like you that they can help people walk through it because I know some people they're just into like they're interested to learn more and get, they want to get some skills so it's mm-hmm. a great way to if if they find they're struggling to kind of approach these issues on their own to work with a coach right and a lot of people don't even know where to look so you go to let's say a GYN and many of them they'll do your checkup They'll go and, and take your blood work and, you know, ask if you have any pain, any problems. No, okay, and then they leave. But no one a lot of times asks, how is your sexual uh, performance? Are you having any, you know, sexual problems that we can help with? And that's the area that you're working on. But people don't get asked that, so they don't really know who to even talk to. And if they do talk to them, especially, let's say, a urologist, the man will just say, okay, well, here, here's a Viagra. And don't really talk to figure out, well, is the connection there? What's going on between the, between the head and the groin? So it's very important to be able to educate people. And that's what I love what I do. It's, it's, it's helping people. Excellent. And I think it's a great segue to uh, kind of because we're run out of time. I want to know for our listeners, how can they contact you? My website is drstacy.org. That's D-R-S-T-A-C-Y.org. All my information is on there as far as my contact information. I'm also on Facebook under Dr. Stacy Sex Coach. And my phone number, my email, everything is on there. And they can look for me there. Wonderful. And I'll make sure I'll uh, put uh, those information at the show notes so people can find you there as well. And again, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy and it was absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. It was a pleasure to you too. I just wanted to add one more thing. And if anyone does contact me that was listening and is interested in working with me as a client, I have all different types of packages that I could offer depending on what your situation is and your needs. And I'd be happy to give the first session for 50% off. That is a fantastic deal. Great. (laughs) Okay, great. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. I hope 
you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Stacy. I know she gave us several great tips on how to overcome our sexual anxiety and performance anxiety. And she was talking about after the show, we're talking about how she gets contacted from people all around the world and how much the issues are similar. As many of you know, good sex isn't easy to come by. But when we have a good relationship with our sexuality and pleasure, it can improve our quality of life drastically. Anyhow, I'm so glad that you tuned in today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.